Hey everyone, Craig Rowe here. For some, real success is not defined by the money you make, but by the life you actually lead. So, this podcast explores the common human experience, those stories and journeys that many take on their pursuit of happiness and fulfillment. Some use their passion to overcome adversity, while others may use it to educate the world about their cause. And for those among us game enough, you may even turn your passion into a business. Each week, I sit and chat with those who have taken their interest beyond the realm of hobby and into the realm of cause or obsession. These positive, highly motivated and inspirational entities I like to call people with a passion. It's kind of bleak. It's very episodic care. Like, it's very good care, but then there tends to be a disconnect on follow-up, um, or at least that was my experience. And talking to other people, they had the same. And the goal behind You Don't Fight Alone is twofold. One, to make mental health part of the normal conversation. So um, parents can talk to their kids that, hey, we've got bipolar or schizophrenia or schizoaffective or whatever it is. This runs in our family or mental health or depression. Um, and the second piece is provide a place for people to connect. G'day everybody, Craig Rowe from People With A Passion and today we're going to be talking about the sensitive topic of mental health but before I go there, I want to invite you if you're listening to the podcast version of this to check out our YouTube channel. The YouTube channel, our interviews show some B-roll like footage and or photos and you're welcome to check that out and subscribe and hit the notification bell to be notified when new interviews are uploaded. If you like what you see, give it a thumbs up. And if you feel you want to add anything to the conversation, by all means, feel free to leave a comment and we do reply to those comments. Today's guest has been dealing or living with and managing bipolar disorder for around a decade now, and he's used his adversity to create a not-for-profit organization in the U.S., called You Don't Fight Alone. So my guest today is Keaton Lycombe, who is going to share his experience around living with mental health uh, and bipolar disorder and how he is using that to help change other people's lives. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Applaudable.net. G'day, uh, Keaton. How are you going? Ah, oh, doing well. Nice Sunday here in the States, and yeah, it was a good weekend. That's good. And you've started an organization called You Don't Fight Alone, and you're wanting to help people who are struggling with their mental health. Um, do you want to explain how you've arrived at where you're at right now in starting that organization? Sure. Um, I guess going back a little bit in my story, is how I got here. So 11 years ago now, um, I ended up in the ICU by my own hand. And that's when I learned that my family has a history of mental illness. Um, it wasn't something we talked about and found out that actually every male in my family is diagnosed with my diagnosis as well. Um, and it surprised me because we had talked about heart disease, diabetes, stroke, Parkinson's running in the family but nobody talked about bipolar. Um, and stood on it for a few years, 
and eight years ago came up with the idea for You Don't Fret Alone as an organization. After going through a few hospitalizations, I realized once you discharge from inpatient here in the U.S., it's kind of bleak. It's very episodic care. Like, it's very good care, but then there tends to be a disconnect on follow-up, or at least that was my experience. And talking to other people, they had the same. And the goal behind You Don't Fight Alone is twofold. One, to make mental health part of the normal conversation. So um, parents can talk to their kids that, hey, we've got bipolar or schizophrenia or schizoaffective or whatever it is. This runs in our family or mental health or depression. Um, and the second piece is provide a place for people to connect. Um, so we have a podcast and we share people's stories of them living with mental illness and what it looks like for them because as the name of the organization is you don't fight alone um none of us are alone my bipolar diagnosis isn't unique to me in terms of a diagnosis sure it affects me differently than other people but there are other people out there who are diagnosed bipolar there are other people out there who have similar diagnoses and hearing somebody else how they've gone through it and what works for them um i found valuable in my journey so that's where the podcast came from and the other piece um that bleak discharge uh what we put together is we have what are called you don't fight alone kits um and our long-term goal is to give those to people discharging from inpatient uh we just actually started shipping them though um given the environment that's going on right now they are a start for a crisis kit. So um, we started shipping those a couple of weeks ago and we've had a fair number of requests come in um, a couple of week and they're increasing and our goal, we ship them free of charge. We don't bill anything for them. And the goal is just give you something to turn to in crisis, a positive coping mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of a negative coping tool. Um, so I guess that's going back to 11 years ago, my diagnosis, uh, eight years ago, my idea was the kits that we're now shipping and hope to donate. Um, and a few years ago was the podcast because that was a way to get started. Um, and something we viewed as valuable is sharing those stories. So that's how I got here. Um, there's obviously more to it but i think those are the key parts the kits that you're referring to i saw on your site that you actually have do-it-yourself approach uh kits you have downloadable content and you also have the ability for people to ask for kits so i'd like to go through those three things that or tools that you're offering those that uh, experiencing the same challenges as you so you've got your uh kits so let's talk about the kits first what sort of content are, are those uh, kits that you're shipping? What are you providing as tools for people, you know, challenged with some form of mental health issue? Yeah, so um, what we're shipping is a starter kit. And what that contains, um, the first item is a worry stone. And I'll actually hold one on camera, I guess, but because I have these around the house, they're just river rocks. Um but it's something very grounding and I can focus on right now. I just picked it up. I haven't picked it up in a while. It's cold, right? Um, so we ship a worry stone. 
Um, we have a soft tactile item in there, which is a small stuffed animal. Um, similar to the worry stone, it's just it's different sensations. Um, both of those are really around grounding and being present. Um, so, for instance, it connects the person to the room they're in currently and not the situation that they're panicking with. Um, and it's extremely helpful for me and talking to people, it's been helpful for them. So that's where the worry stone and the small stuffed animal come from. Um, we have a small candle in there to encourage self-care, um, just a moment of reflection, whatever that looks like, if that's um, pouring a nice glass of wine or cooking yourself a nice dinner or just even sitting with the candle um, and just being present in the moment. Um, let's see, so that's those three items. We include a coloring book and a starter set of coloring pencils. Uh, the coloring book is produced by You Don't Fight Alone and it's a set of mandalas, free coloring pages, and then four writing pages. Um, and the goal with that is present again. So like all of these overarching have being present to where you are, right? Um, and the last thing in there is just a sticker with the You Don't Fight Alone logo to remember, like sticking it somewhere as a reminder of, oh yeah, there's someone else out there who cares or there's someone else out there who experiences some of what I experience, right? Because um, distorted thinking can creep in a lot with mental illnesses across the board um, where I'm all alone or people are better off without me or so on and so forth. Like that can expand to so many levels. But the idea behind the sticker is, oh yeah, no, there's someone out there, someone else out there who's going through this too. I don't fight alone. I'm not I'm not the only one experiencing this internal strife. Hmm. It's one of those things that as you speak, I'm thinking back to an interview I did with a, a professor at a university who was a sports psychologist. And she's talking about uh, Joanne Lukens is her name. Uh, she actually talks about this goal when then strategy for changing behavior and things like that. And all the things there you're describing are a mindfulness or being in the moment tool, but they're also this concept of changing the moment. So this concept of I'm not doing what I want to do right now. So the goal is I need to change whatever the behavior is. If that's what I want to do, then when I do this or feel this, then to change that, I need to then do something else. So what you're describing there is similar strategy that sports people use to change a habit or a behavior. So you're also describing what we call triggers. So by having that stone or having that color book where it forces or not forces it, like you say, you're in the moment, it engages you to be doing something different. It becomes a trigger for you to change a behavior or the potential of you going down a rabbit hole, I suppose. So the idea is, is to literally, you know, sort of deviate your thinking to something else. And that is it, right? It's, um, for me, it's, I call it stopping the spiral personally, because I will spiral all the way down from, uh, oh, it's a little bit frightening right now to then end of where my mind always goes as well. It'd be better off if I was dead. 
And it's if I can stop and disconnect that spiral before I get there. So let's explain for some of the audience, because you are trying to educate people on mental health. So you've been diagnosed with bipolar. So explain to people what a diagnosis of bipolar actually uh, is. What what are the medical uh, people telling you that, that that represents? I'm going to pull up the definition of it just because I want to make sure I'm correct in this. Sure. Um, yeah. And I agree with it. But um, bipolar is considered a mood disorder. For me, what that looks like and what it looks like for other people is extreme mood swings um, tend to be, as the name suggests, bipolar. Um, one from a very emotional low, a very strong depression, um, up into a very strong emotional high, which is either mania or hypomania. Um, the hallmarks for me with my emotional high is I just stop sleeping. Um, when I'm unmedicated and I'm manic, I will go a few days before I take a nap, and that nap will be like 15, 30 minutes, and I'll be back at it. Um and then at the end of my manic stage or hypomanic stage, I crash. And my very low depression looks like 16 to 20 hours of sleep is what my body just craves. And so like getting up to do, getting up to go to work isn't possible. Um, getting up to eat, I'll eat once a day um, if I can convince myself. Um, that's unmedicated though. So now that I've been medicated successfully for five years um i did have a recent uh manic or hypomanic phase um i have a (laughs) doctor's appointment in 10 days to and i'll bring this up of i don't know what was up but um on medications that was a little over a week i was sleeping an average of three and a half hours a night Um, I still had the manic impulses, so someone who's manic tends to lose impulse control. Um, I still had, like, the impulse to spend all my money and do some dumb things, um, but I was able to, with tools I've learned and the fact that I'm on medication, um, was able to not engage those, um, made sure I was still going to bed even if I wasn't going to sleep made sure that I was still engaging in self like uh, engaging in executive functioning of showering and taking meds XYZ. Um, and then on the depressive side, I did bottom out after that phase. Um, but instead of it being so strong, um, like the 16, 20 hours a day of sleep, like it was 10 to 12 hours, which was still rough. Um, but I was still going to work, still went to work um, throughout it all. And I think that's the definition for me is the extreme swings. And I still have some swings when I'm medicated, but instead of going from plus 10 to negative 10, it might be plus five to negative five. So the other thing I noticed on your website was not only the kits that you send out, but also the do it yourself kit. Do you want to explain what that is and and if people want to go up to the site to create their own kit so the idea for a you don't fight alone kit for me came from a counseling class i took called dialectical behavioral therapy 
and you can create your own. And the goal of the kit is to combine coping tools that work for you into one location. So I have a personal kit, and last time I counted, it has about 40 items in it. Um, but what a do-it-yourself kit can be, um, we recommend starting from the same standpoint of having a hard tactile item and a soft tactile item, having a candle in there. Um, coloring books work really well. I think we encourage people to include a puzzle if that works for them. But the idea behind the do-it-yourself kit is none of these are revolutionary things. Um, a rock, a, a river stone is not something that somebody can't get, right? Um, a soft item, somebody can get that as well. Candles, obviously. And the idea behind it is combining it to one spot, which when I learned that in DBT was revolutionary to me and to everyone sitting around the table with me. Like all of us were like, this makes sense. Because when you're spiraling or when distorted thinking is taking over, what, what panic is, whatever is coming in, you can think to go to one place. You can think to grab one thing. And if that one thing you grab actually is a toolbox for coping, um, then you can actually go through the items. So for instance, like you can open the box and, hey, the puzzle's not working today candle is or the puzzle and the candle aren't functioning the stone's not working oh with the soft tactile item that's helping me ground um so the on the site we do have a do-it-yourself kit where we suggest items and why we suggest them um, it goes into a little bit further explanation of each item and why we're including it in the kit um but again that is a starting point it's what works for you during this time um, of, or during the time of spiraling, right? Or during the time of panic or whatever that piece is. Um, when your mental health gets triggered or even people who don't have a mental health diagnosis, but when, you, when your stress gets triggered and when you're just overly stressed, what can help bring you to a more mindful a more centered point of, okay, no, I'm in this room. Um, whatever's going on at work, that doesn't matter right now. I can't make a change right now. Um, what can I do in this moment? And in this moment, the answer that I think can be very valuable is in this moment, I can grab my kit um, and I can use these coping tools, whether that's for the next five minutes or the next five hours. Um, that's okay. But it's putting it all in one spot because while you are spiraling or while you're panicking or whatever that is, you can think to go grab the first thing, but finding a second thing is really hard. Finding a third thing I never did. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where for me it came from, Oh, I have all these tools around my house. If I put them in a box, if I put them in one spot, if I put it in just like I have two toolkits in my closet, one that's for working on cars and one that's working around the house, but all the tools are in there, right? I don't have to go around the house. Um, and so for coping tools and coping kits, and you don't find all kits, it's okay, everything's together. I can, okay, I am, I am having a bad moment right now. I can go grab the coping kit, can grab the tool kit, pull it off the shelf and use it. Mm -hmm. And everything is in there. 
So you also have a colouring in book that is obviously in the kit that you send out, but also downloadable on your site. So I will throw links to the site on uh, the description or in the description of this episode so that people who may want to use that regardless of whether they have mental illness or not, it's it's not bad exercise because you mentioned that it's got colouring in uh, features of that book and there's also writing exercises in there. So do you want to talk about why the choice of, you know, I, the, what you're colouring in and also the different writing tasks that are in that book? The idea behind the coloring book was what can we include in a kit um, from a cost perspective level and we had thought about including a journal and a coloring book and a sketchbook Um, but that's not feasible because we do give these away for free Um, so where we ended up with and i'm quite proud of it um, is there are eight coloring in pages but there are also four free draw pages and four prompts for writing. Um, and they all just use a single word um, to prompt towards writing, create, imagine, um, things along those lines. And the thought process is, is combining a coloring book, a journal, and a sketchbook, um, letting people create Um, whichever way works for them, but also encouraging them to go maybe a little bit out of their comfort zone. Um, I do a lot of coloring or have in the past, but writing uh, was something that I didn't do, but I've started writing poems, or I guess now that's many years in the past, but I write poems as well now. Um, And sketching, even though uh, my sketches won't ever be shown to anyone, I find it cathartic so that was the idea was combining those three books into one where it has the coloring pages the sketch pages and the writing prompts Hmm. so 11 years ago you experienced the situation where you found yourself in intensive care Uh, you would have been around 20 years old uh, from what i've read that's not a guess correct (laughs) so so you're correct up until that age were you still experiencing all the traits of bipolar but undiagnosed um i don't know if i was experiencing all the traits of bipolar all the way up until then but what i can say um at 12 years old i went from being a straight a student to failing my first class um and i was really confused and struggling with it um and at that point got diagnosed as depressed um, through another event. But like the meds never really helped me. So I would stop taking them. And I, if I could go back and talk to younger me, I'd be like, talk to the doctor, tell him it's not working and tell him what's going on. Um, Which was my sleep would get disrupted. And that was basically it. Like it didn't provide any net benefit. It, just made my sleep worse. Uh, (laughs) And so was that bipolar manifesting then? I don't know. Antidepressants being prescribed for bipolar without another prescription tend to just cause issues with mania. So that's where my sleep got really disrupted. So I stopped taking them. Was that bipolar? Maybe. 
Uh, but again, like I, I'm not a medical professional, but I do know, um, I just never really talked about it with anyone up until I was in the ICU, uh, which was May 2nd, 2009. So I would have been 19, um, almost 20. I didn't talk about it because I, um, my dad and I have a great relationship now, but at 12 years old, I told him what was going on and he told me to man up. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I need to man up. I don't know what that means. Um, and from that point, kind of internalized it until 20. Because I was like, well, whatever. Um, and the event then, like, I was not aware of it. Um, I was going to be late to work. And instead of being late to work, I my distorted thinking led me to the ICU. Mm. It was like, well, I shouldn't be late since I am going to be late. Just need to be done. Um, talking to my boss months afterward, he's like, you could have called me. You've not been late in two and a half years. If you called me and said, hey, and I was like, going to be 10 minutes late to a pizza restaurant. That's not the end of the world but that's where my brain went right i, I spoke with brian kane recently who's a, another sport like a psychologist works with athletes and he talks about you can be a victim or a victor and what you're doing is you've put yourself in this situation where you've said look this is my life this is my situation i could just live this life and see it through but you're, you've turned around and said to yourself no this isn't i can do something with this and i can help others going through the same thing as me and I think with your father in particular from the age of 12 from what you sort of described to me you felt a degree of being alone in this oh yeah so therefore this whole you don't fight alone as being the name is coming from some raw experience that you've had in your youth and even to this day recognizing that from what your boss said to you is that you're not actually alone. You can't speak to people when this thing comes up. So if, if nothing else, that message alone and the name of your organization uh, has power and meaning for anyone with mental health uh, issues. So how did, how did and obviously it seems like an obvious question, but why did you arrive at that name ultimately? Considering I have friends who work in branding, I consider myself lucky that I came up with that name off their bat. But I think where it does come from, and like you said, at 12, I felt very alone and isolated. Um, through my first few hospitalizations, I felt very alone and isolated. Um, I should say my first one was May 22nd of 2009 was the start. Um, but I had four more after that. Um, and the first three were just very isolating experiences. Um, so that's when like, Eight years ago, which I was still in the midst of dealing with those, um, I think I'd just gotten out of the third. The name for you don't fight alone. I was like, no, because I know other people are going around this. How do we, how do we find community? How do we talk about it? How do we do this? And how do we let each other know that like we're not fighting this alone? How do we let each other know that it's okay to talk, and it's okay to talk to people, um, and. Yeah, so that's where the name came from, was a desire to let people know they're not alone and a desire for me to know I wasn't alone. Having friends and branding, consider myself lucky that it was the first name I came up with and that so many people responded well to. Um, 
because uh, during this process, I got a really good piece of advice called uh, hold your ideas tightly, but let them go loosely. And what that means is be passionate about it, go after it. But if that idea falls down, let it go. And the reason I consider that good advice is my root and my passion is letting people know they're not alone. Letting people know that there are other people out there and that they're not having to fight this battle individually. Um, if the kits don't work, they seem to be working. Okay, then on to the next thing. Um, if the if the name didn't work, okay, choose something else. But keep the passion and the root of it going. Um, so yeah, that's where it came from. I do think you touched on it. At 12 years old, I felt very alone. Um, at 20, my first hospitalization felt horribly alone, even though I had over 70 people visit me in the ER that night. So I wasn't. <laughs> but your brain plays tricks on you, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it comes from that idea and the desire and the want of people to know they're not alone and people to know they're not alone. Therefore, they will talk about it. And when you start talking about it, you'll actually find people who are going through it. If I meet people in a semi-professional setting, generally I'll talk to them and hand them my You Don't Fight Alone card, and then that leads to a conversation. Um, or I'll hand them the podcast card. And I would say probably 20 to 40% of the time, people have a story that they then want to share, and I welcome that. I'm like, hey, yeah, like let's let's talk. Whatever your story is, if it's you dealing with depression or you're supporting somebody with bipolar or schizophrenia or all of the hundreds of diagnoses, um, talking about it is so powerful. And that's where that name comes from. That's where these kits, like, yes, they're to help you in the moment, but also they're a reminder that talk about it. You're not alone. It's okay. Like, let's make this part of the normal conversation, right? If your coworker goes to the hospital for a heart attack, that's going to be part of the conversation at work with that coworker is, hey, how are you feeling? What's going on? How can we support you? Um, if your coworker goes to the hospital for a mental health crisis, generally it's hidden because the stigma is so large that I don't know if it's safe to say at work X, Y, and Z, right? That would be yeah. fear of losing your job, I would think. That's exactly. the problem. Is people, uh, we, the, the fact is a lot of mental health issues are masked because people don't want to talk about them when in fact if they were dealt with productivity would probably be a lot higher and people would be feeling a lot happier in their lives. But um, a lot of people, and, and here in Australia, and I'm not sure whether it started in America or whether it's worldwide, but we have a saying, particularly with men, because we find a high incidence of uh, youth suicide, and particularly in men, a lot of young men committing suicide. And we say, are you okay? It's a, it's a catch cry here that just asking, uh, are you okay? And uh, it's a, it's a, mantra that we have out here i'm not sure if that's something you have in the states but it's something that they've been pushing probably for the last year to, to year and a half a campaign to for, for men to ask men and people to ask each other 
uh, are you okay, particularly if something doesn't look right, if the individual's not looking like or behaving like them, their normal selves, to try again, start a conversation with them around their mental health. So are you familiar with that there in the States? Do you have that? I am not, but I really like its idea and its core. Um, yeah, I haven't heard of that campaign. There is a campaign in Colorado called Man Therapy, um, addressing the same problem. I would have to look up the numbers now, but at one point, I believe suicide was the second most cause, second highest cause of death for men in the state of Colorado, the state I'm in. Um, and our state health department wanted to change that for the positive. Uh, so they started man therapy a few years ago, which is all about the idea of like, it's okay for men to ask for help and it's okay for men to talk to therapists. Um, but for, are you okay? I've not heard that. I'm going to, I plan to look it up because I, I like where that's coming from. And I like the prompting the reminder that it's okay to ask someone, are you okay? Um, and especially like with what we're going through right now with Corona and uh, my state's locked down. I don't know if Australia's locked down. Reaching out to people <laughs> over the internet, give them a call, send them a text message, let them know you're there. Um, there's concern here from uh, NAMI, National Alliance for Mental Illness, that there's going to be a second wave of crisis to this, which will be a mental health crisis. Um, so reach out to people now and I, I, yeah, ask, like, I love the question, are you okay? Um, and it's not stipulating that you're not or you are, but it allows you to talk about it. We are experiencing some of the same uh, situations as others around the world. And yes, there are a number of issues that I think will and, and people I think know are coming and I'm sure that the mental health fraternity and, and health fraternity in general are aware of it. One of the things we're seeing here, they've, you know, closed gun shops and, and things like that um, for the risk of exactly what you're describing as well as the, uh, there's been increases in domestic violence calls. But interestingly, one of the things that sort of has baffled myself and a few others that I've spoken with is that they've kept bottle shops open so where people can go and buy alcohol. So to me, it's like, well, what do you kind of expect if you're going to keep those places open from a mental health and or health aspect? I think that, that those things can go hand in hand if you incorporate you know, alcohol into the mix. What are some of the feedback that people have actually given you around what you're doing and, and how you've helped them? I founded this, I have a board. Um, and during my first board meeting, uh, almost two years ago now, actually. Whoa, yeah. Uh, I told my board, if it changes one person's life, it's worth it. If I do it for 30 years and it changes one person's life, it's worth it. And I've had two people come up to me and tell me that explicitly that it's changed their life for the better. And that moved the crap out of me. Like that just amazed me um, because it's, it, I'm little old me. Like I, I changed someone's life. Like uh, the project that I'm doing is making an impact. Um, and that moved me. And then recently I had a friend come up to me 
and told me it's changed the way he's talking to his daughters because now he's telling them it's okay to be sad and having a conversation. And his daughters are six and four. And that like made me cry tears of joy and like not, not like break down and be sad, but I was like, good. Your daughters now know that like, if they have a problem, sadness, depression, otherwise, like, you're letting that be an acceptable emotion. You're letting emotions be okay, which is huge. And he talked a little bit about, like, he didn't realize that he this was his words. He's like, I didn't realize it, but I was telling them that there were emotions that are okay and emotions that aren't. Yeah. And he's like, but no, emotions are emotion. Actions, those are a different story, but emotions are emotion. And so he's having that conversation with a six and four-year-old that it's okay to be sad had a yeah i've had a couple other people reach out to me and tell me that it's made an impact in their life and that's that just amazes me and makes me want to keep going right like that board meeting if i changed one person's life it's worth it well i've had two people use that exact language okay then i'm going to keep pushing i'm going to keep going i'm going to keep doing what i'm doing because it is my passion. Um, I don't get paid for it. Uh, the first year I paid for a lot of it. <laughs> um, the second year we've raised some funds and I'm still putting money in because I'm behind it. So how can people support you in raising funds with this? I, I think there's a donate button on the actual website itself, which again, I'll make sure the description's in, uh, sorry, again, I'll make sure that the uh, link is in the description so people can go there, but what what can they do to support your organization? Um, if you want to support us financially, there's the donate link. Um, something that helps us out as well that's free if you like our page on Facebook. Um, it grows the reach of the page so people hear our message and our desire is for more people to hear that it's okay to make mental health part of the normal conversation. So um, the the easy and free one, like us on Facebook. Um, and if you feel so inclined, you can make a donation. Um, that goes towards providing um, for the podcast and providing kits. We pay the professional editor that we have for the podcast. Um, it's another thing I'm passionate about is paying people for what they do. And he is very, it's part of his job. So we pay for the production, but we also pay for kits. Um, we send them for free. If we ship them in total, it costs us about $15 per kit. Um, but that's, we don't want to bill for them. When you request a kit, we do say we accept donations. We don't expect them. Um, my, the company that I work for has done some fundraisers, but if, yeah, the, the way to support us, easy free options, Facebook. And if you feel so inclined, there is a donate link. Um, I believe it'll allow you to donate wherever you are in the world. I think I set up Stripe that way, um, but I've only ever accepted donations from US, so I don't know if that is functional. But those are the two ways to support us. Um, yeah. I know. So, oh. Third way, subscribe to the podcast. Listeners yeah. help us as well. So I noticed on the website, it's very simple. Like you go to a lot of mental health type organizations and websites and they bombard you with 
a whole heap of information about, you know, bipolar or whatever. It seems on your website that it's intentionally simple. And I guess that's comes back to, uh, obviously it's something that's intentional because you're smiling. So you guys <laughs> gave a lot of thought. Do you want to be an information website or do you just want to provide tools and, and probably given what you've described with the do-it-yourself toolkit of being something you can just put your hand on almost straight away because you're not in a frame of mind where you can go and sift through a hundred thousand words on what you might be experiencing and so my question is is that intentional but your smile probably (laughs) answers that question the answer is yes that is very intentional um right now we're actually working on a redesign of the website to make it even simpler and easier to use and straightforward um so a guy who mentored me for a while um uh, he was a director of one of the hospitals here for their behavioral health services line. And I was lucky to connect with him. And we sat down for lunch. I told him the idea of you don't fight alone. This is five years ago. And he was like, I love the idea, but it sounds like you need to know how to run a nonprofit. Um, and he connected me with a nonprofit here, which I worked with for about two years and then year and set out on my own. But Um, One of the things both of us discussed is there is an organization where it's a great organization, but you go to their website and it feels like you actually need to hire somebody to help you go through it because there's just so much info and it is so overwhelming. Um, And I work in IT actually. So like my day job, I work support and I did software development for seven years still occasionally touch that same company. Um, And it was difficult for me to use. So I wanted something that straightforward, easy to find, easy to navigate, um, easy to find what you're looking for. If you're going there to download the coloring book, I wanted you to be able to find that pretty easily. If you're going there to subscribe to the podcast, I wanted you to find it easily. Like, I wanted you to find the task you were there for easily. Um, I know a lot of websites, their goal is to keep you on there as long as possible. My goal is to get you off there as quick as possible. I want you to be able to do what you went there to do. And if you want to explore, go ahead. Like my story's up there um, in a more full view of just my personal struggle and story. Cool. If you want to read that, great. Um, But I wanted you to be able to accomplish your task and to be done as simply as possible. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, like I said, that other organization, I love that organization. They do great work. I've still recently looked at their website. It still feels like I need to hire somebody to tell me where to go. Um, (laughs) I find that experience with government websites. I worked for a brief stint on contract with the, with my state government as a senior communications officer. And one of the roles that I had was to oversee the web development team and the graphic design teams. And, uh, and they'd create the content for the website and I'd be writing the content for the website. And I couldn't even navigate our website that we had in government. And now whenever I go on any government website, I cringe like any government web website I go to, I'm just like, where the hell it's, it's it's like someone's dropped you in the middle of a, a city that you just don't know, and you've got to find your way to whichever building you got to get to. It it, it I, and I and I in my brain I just go why? It's a big why, and I and you can spend 
30 minutes sometimes clicking on links just to get where you want to go and you think why is it's why did why does it have to be so difficult or complicated so <laughs> i share your pain when it comes to i know what people are trying to do they're trying to make sure all the information is there at people's fingertips and and really i think what it comes down to is searchability of those sites that they're it's it's they're trying to give you you everything you want but what they're not doing is giving you what you want they're throwing everything at you and saying sift through this whereas you yep. you've kept it extremely simple that you don't need to search because everything is right at your fingertips so to hear that you're a software developer doesn't surprise me because most app creators and software developers have that approach as to opposed to website designers and communication people who write and things like that. So good, good job on the website. I, I really found it easy to navigate. So when people go up, and I'm sure they will, they'll have a look, they'll understand what a real website should probably be because it's so simple. So, and, and, it, and it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that because most people need to arrive to get what they want, like you say, and then get it off. But yes, the world's built on keeping people there, but you're a non-profit. So a lot of people that are doing other websites are trying to keep people there because they're trying to make money. So, Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. But uh, look, I really appreciate your time. We'll finish up there. I, I absolutely enjoyed talking with you, Keaton. So uh, thanks for sharing your story. It is it is tough and it's good that you're, you're walking the walk, not just talking the talk about speaking to people because that is what changes lives as you've demonstrated and and also for you to turn something that is adversity and is something you're dealing with on a daily basis like you say you're medicated to take the courage to not only face that on a daily basis but then to spin it into something that's positive in a hope that you'll help others uh, is commendable so congratulations on that and I hope people get a lot out of what you're doing and listen to your podcast everyone's touched by mental health issues or mental illness um, even everyone in our lifetime is expected to have some episode of or period of depression even some depressive episode even if it's only for a short period um, but it's we're not immune to it that's probably the point so what I tend to do is leave people on my podcast with the last say what they want to say so speak to the audience now and and what would you tell someone who's having your or had your experience who may need help so what i would say to somebody who is going through what i went through 11 years ago or even as recently as six years ago with my last hospitalization keep seeking care be persistent um a lot of my struggles <laughs> were amplified because I got what was called episodic, what I call episodic care. Each crisis got really good care and then there was nothing after that. Um, so be persistent. Once you're through the crisis, still seek counseling. And if the counselor, if you don't like your first counselor, find a second, find a third. And I know that takes persistence and it is hard. I've done it. <laughs> And it, it sucks. Like it sucks when you've you're on your third counselor and you're like, I still don't like this person, and you're on to four. And um, and medications. Um, I have tried countless combinations. I'm on one that works now, but be persistent with those as well. And talk to your doctor with what's going on. 
Um, so being persistent in seeking care because there are people with the skills to help. And on the flip side, talk to your peers about what's going on. You'll find most of the time people actually want to hear about it. They may not know how to talk about it because it's so stigmatized. You may have to clear up some misconceptions with them. Uh, but I found most of my friends, when I told them what was going on, were willing to help. They didn't know how, but they were willing to help. One thing I have with some of my friends still to this day, because I've talked with them, is if I call them and I say, when can we hang out? Then they schedule a time. Or if they can't schedule a time, they let me know and we keep going down the line. And that's for generally when I'm near crisis and I'm just like, I just need to go sit with somebody, whether that's sit with somebody and play darts or play video games or listen to music or whatever it ends up being. It's just, I need to be out of my house. And what that means right now, <laughs> um, I've used a few apps to call people. Um, only once have I used those words with a friend, but I was just like, I, ooh, because a lot of my very successful coping strategies require being out of the house. I have three recurring weekly events, two which I host, one which I just show up to, and those are all not happening. Um, and so not being around people, it's hard, but it's still make those connections, reach out, talk. Um, and in this time as well, be persistent, right? It's different. You may have to do a telehealth appointment or something along those lines, but don't give up because treatment is there, care is there, and friends are there. That's awesome. Appreciate your time. So, Keaton, like them. Uh, yeah. You don't fight alone. That's an absolutely brilliant name and an organisation worth going and supporting and donating some money and time to. So thanks for your time, mate, and hopefully down the track I'll speak with you again and we'll follow up and see where your organisation's at in maybe 12 months or more. Sounds good. Thanks, Craig. Pleasure to talk to you. No worries. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please give it a thumbs up and feel free to comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to be advised of new interviews when they're uploaded. I hope you join us again sometime. Catch you later.